0: Father in heaven, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for your word. We ask that as we open your word together now, that you will speak to us in a very personal way. Help us to understand the book of Revelation and help us understand how we can be prepared for your coming. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, our title for this evening is The Rise of mystery Babylon the rise of mystery Babylon we're going to spend a significant amount of time this evening in the book of Revelation Uh, it's going to be an exciting journey but in order for us to understand this concept of Babylon uh, which appears in the book of Revelation numerous times we first need to again go back in time because it is often it is often such that in order to understand the future we must also understand the past and uh, Babylon is a, 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 we are introduced to Babylon already in the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, and uh, in chapter 10 of Genesis, you read about, um, and chapter 10 and then also chapter 11, you read about this project that um took place where they tried to build a tower and uh, it is described in such a way in these chapters that would reach to heaven now this was shortly after the flood took place and in genesis 6 7 and 8 you have the flood story chapter 9 and then and then god said something to um to noah he said i want you and your descendants to to multiply and to spread across the face of the earth but um, there were some that had a little bit of a different plan and uh, soon enough as, as, as uh, the people were multiplying um, there was a desire to congregate in one place and to build this massive tower and the inspiration behind this tower was for them to be safe if another flood would occur. Now the interesting thing is that, by, that God himself said that, that such a flood would not uh, again occur on, 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 on in this planet, on this, in this earth. But they wanted to um, build this tower in order to rebel against God and to live in their own way and still be safe if something would occur, something would happen. And it's interesting in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 4, the Bible says, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. And A tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth and here It's very interesting that it implies there in the text that that's not what they wanted That's what God had told was to take place But it's not something that they wanted and so they wanted to come together build this tower live in rebellion and Think that they're actually safe in what they are doing and so they start this project of building this tower the motivation behind this project is for them to make themselves a name. They wanted to exalt themselves. And it's interesting because when you look at the whole root of the great controversy between good and evil, the whole problem began with, this, with Lucifer, uh, the angel that rebelled against God because he wanted to make himself a name. He wanted to be like God. He wanted the position of God, the creator. He was not content with his position as an angel. And so he rebels against God and you have the whole story of the conflict between good and evil. And here, I believe it's Lucifer that is behind this whole Babylonian project, this Tower of Babel. They wanted to make themselves a name. They wanted to rebel against the clear word of God. Now, when you look at um, the founder of this city, Babylon, or this tower project, he is actually mentioned in chapter 10, Genesis chapter 10, and his name is Nimrod. Now, it's, it's interesting with names, as we've discovered in the course of this series. Oftentimes, names in the Bible they have significance; they have a meaning. And Nimrod means "we shall rebel." So, parents, never call your son Nimrod, okay? We shall rebel. And so Nimrod, he, he is the founder of, 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 this, uh, of this city, and, and he's behind this great project. And in Genesis chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says, And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And it's interesting that the, that's the first time that the word kingdom appears in Scripture. And it's talking about the kingdom, not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of Babel now what when you look at scripture from genesis to 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 revelation there are basically two lines that go all the way through it's the kingdom of babylon And it's the kingdom of God. It's really the war of thrones that we're talking about here, the war of thrones between the powers of evil and the power of good. And it exists right from the beginning, right till the very end. And so here we're introduced to Babel, but this is not the last time that we're going to hear about Babel or what later became Babylon. Uh, Babel actually um, is uh, meaning, the meaning of that word is, 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 the root word, is connected to confusion. And that's interesting. You know, we in the English language, we say, you know, a child, uh, a baby, it babbles, right? It babbles. You can't really know exactly what they're saying. And, and, and right here at the beginning of this kingdom of Babel, there is confusion. There is conf- confusion regarding god uh, there's a distorted picture of god they have a distorted picture of god that actually leads them to into this rebellion and we're going to see how that distorted picture of god is going to come back in the course of babylon's history well later we learn more about babylon Uh, when you read through the old testament babylon plays quite a significant role in the story of the old testament And particularly when you get to the twin book of of, of the book of Revelation, which is the book of Daniel, and Daniel the prophet lived uh, about 500, 600 years before Christ, and during his lifetime, Babylon was a superpower of that day babylon was conquering other nations and eventually babylon conquered judea and destroyed jerusalem and took daniel and many of the other uh, uh, young men in jerusalem and took them back to babylon so babylon was an enemy of god's people uh, jeremiah the prophet also spoke about babylon and predicted that babylon would come and destroy jerusalem and it's exactly what happened And so we have the beginnings of Babylon at the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis. That project, by the way, didn't really work out, because God confused their languages, and they weren't able to communicate with each other, and they weren't able to complete this project of this tower reaching all the way to heaven, and so they were dispersed upon the face of the earth, but soon after that, they again congregated together, and eventually they built this city called Babylon, and later in the story of scripture, Babylon re it rises once again, and it becomes a superpower, particularly in the days of Daniel. Which is interesting because the prophet Daniel is making predictions about the end of time. The prophet Daniel is making predictions not only about what is happening in his time, not only what would happen shortly after his time, but he's making predictions that will go all the way until the end of time to our very time. And so this whole whole, um, uh, idea in scripture that these prophecies are given in the context of a superpower called Babylon is interesting because it has something, it comes back when you get to the end times. When we get to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation talks again about this this superpower Babylon that will again rise and, and emerge in the end of time. And so Babylon was significant in the beginning in Genesis. Babylon is significant in the Old Testament story, but it also has a place in the end of time, as we will discover. Now we have been studying together in the course of this seminar, some very important messages in the book of Revelation. Among others, we have looked at these three angels messages. I hope you remember uh, those messages that I've referred to a number of times. You find them in Revelation chapter 14 and in Revelation chapter 14, we have a picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ. But before he comes, There are these three messages that need to go out into all the world. They're proclaimed by angels, but the angel is really only a symbol of a messenger. So this is a message that that human beings are bearing, human beings are preaching and proclaiming in order to prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus. And the first angel's message, as we have already discovered in the course of this seminar, is dealing with the everlasting gospel it's a call to remember the creator it's this message that goes to all the world that 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 the everlasting gospel uh, is is to reach everyone it's a message to fear god and give him glory and to worship the creator but then the second angel's message follows there in revelation chapter 14 and the second angel is a warning message it's a warning message regarding babylon so here the word babylon reappears in scripture in the context of the end times right before jesus second coming there is this message in the second angel and it says babylon has fallen is fallen and we're going to discover tonight what that means and and the significance of babylon on the rise in the in the last days and and how we can um, make sure that we're not part of babylon in these days and then you have the third angel's message which we also examine together uh where it talks about um who we worship not to, uh, the, the message is very strong. It's a strong message. It's a strong warning message, not to worship the beast, but to worship God. But let's look closely at this second angel's message where Babylon is mentioned. So in Revelation chapter 14, and we're in verse 8, and it's just one verse. The message is, is right there in that one verse. And the Bible says the following, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So when we are looking here at Babylon in an end time context, we're not looking necessarily here at some literal place we are looking now at the symbolic meaning of babylon that has taken on actually that, that, that has taken on a, a different form than it has in history because here it's really talking about the principles of babylon and the teachings of babylon and the nature of babylon in a last day setting that is in a that is applied now worldwide as we'll discover it says babylon is fallen is fallen because what 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 has Babylon done? Babylon has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, wine in the Bible is is a symbol of, of doctrine, of teaching. You know, Jesus He He presented his doctrine as as, as the, the, the good wine, you could say. The, 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 the wine that is actually unfermented. It's not it doesn't bring confusion to the mind. It's the pure wine, the biblical wine. But then you have Another type of wine that is presented by Babylon here that brings confusion it, 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 it is a distorted picture of God's character now in the book of Revelation we have a picture of a power that is associated with the name Babylon and this we find in Revelation chapter 17 Revelation chapter 17 describes a woman riding on a scarlet colored beast And and as you look at the the description of this woman, um, and she is arrayed in purple and scarlet, and she's adorned with gold and precious stones, there is a name that is written on her forehead, according to Revelation chapter 17, and the name that is written on her forehead is Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. So here we find in the book of Revelation in an end time setting, a symbol of Babylon and the symbol that is given of Babylon in the end time is a woman riding on a beast, a, a scarlet colored, um, she, she's dressed in a scarlet color and she is, uh, she's adorned with, with, with lots of jewelry and she's holding this cup in her hands. We're going to read actually the description in just a moment. And so it's interesting, Babylon in the beginning is connected with that Tower of Babel. Then you have Babylon, the superpower of the Old Testament that conquered uh, uh, Judea and conquered Jerusalem. And then in an end time setting, there's a woman riding on a beast that is connected with the name Babylon. Now, of course, we must ask the question then, what does a woman represent in Bible prophecy? And uh, this is a question that we can easily answer from Scripture because Scripture is quite clear on this. In Bible prophecy, you will find throughout the scripture, actually throughout from Genesis to Revelation, there's this very beautiful picture. And the picture is that um, that Jesus is the bridegroom and the church of Christ, the people of God, are the bride. And so there's this beautiful relation between Christ and his people. And throughout scripture, uh, the prophets would refer to God's people as a woman, as a bride. In the Old Testament, you will find it when it's connected to the Hebrew people, the Israelites. You'll also find it in the New Testament when Paul addresses the churches in his letters. He referred to them as a bride, as a woman, as one that is to be married to Christ, the bridegroom. You might think, "Well, that's uh, is Babylon the bride of Christ?" And of course, the answer is no. And this is the whole interesting thing with the book of revelation because in the book of revelation guess how many women are represented there are two there are two women in the book of revelation one in the in chapter 12 which is the true bride of christ and we're going to study this 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 passage in, in revelation chapter 12 as well the true bride of christ is in revelation chapter 12 and then in revelation chapter 17 you have the counterfeit bride of christ The counterfeit church, the counterfeit movement, the movement that is seeking to take the place of the true bride. But when we study scripture, we find out that she is marked by iniquity. She is marked by actions that are not in harmony with uh, followers of Christ. And so it's very interesting, you have two women in the book of Revelation. One being the true bride of Christ in chapter 12, and one being the counterfeit bride in chapter 17. And in chapter 17, the counterfeit bride, or the church, that is seeking to represent itself as the true church, has a name written on her forehead, Mystery Babylon the Great. So here we have a church that has been influenced by Babylonian teachings, A church that has been influenced by Babylonian practices where paganism and Christianity have shaken hands, where paganism and Christianity have been amalgamated to create this superpower in the last days. And we're going to identify um, this woman in just a bit. But take notice of Revelation chapter 17 and the description of this harlot woman um, that is riding on the beast. Okay, so here we're going to read it together. Revelation 17 and uh, beginning right there in verse 1 and 2 and the bible says then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying to me come i will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication now before we even go on to verse 3 i want you to take notice of a couple of um, interesting features in this description that already connect with some of some of the things that we've been learning so far it says that um, this 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 great harlot uh, sits on many waters Now, in the very same chapter, in Revelation chapter 17, if you jump down to verse 15, the Bible tells us what the waters that she's sitting on represents. This is symbolic language. And in verse 15, it says, he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So so what we see here is a a a church power, a a false counterfeit church power that is controlling the masses of people. There are multitudes of people under her uh, influence, you could say. Now, it also says here in the text that the inhabitants of the earth or, or, or we'll, we'll come to that in just a bit if you if you go to the middle of the verse there it says with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication so so this church power has connections with state powers right with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication there's there's a there's a uniting with the political powers of this world in order to achieve the agenda of this church this power and then in the end of verse 2 It says that the earth was made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So the earth is under the influence of the teachings of this power that we're looking at here. Well, let's look at verse 3. In verse 3 it says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness... Uh, John here on the island of Patmos is recording this he's seeing the vision and he's writing it down and, and, and he says I was carried away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet colored a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns so he's describing what he's seeing here then in verse four and five look at this The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, so that's the color that is associated with this power, purple and scarlet, which is interesting because in Isaiah chapter 1, uh, God says to the prophet Isaiah, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So in the Bible, the color scarlet is connected with sin. The color white is connected with purity, right? So, so here, um, uh, John is told that, that this, this woman is arrayed in scarlet color. In other words, this is a power that is in sin, right? Now, look at what it says next. It says um, that she was adorned with gold and precious stones now, and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup. So so this this power that we're looking at here, this superstructure in the last days, the rise of Babylon here is a rich power. This organization that we're looking at here is the richest organization on planet Earth. There's gold and there's precious stones and there, there are pearls. Having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication, And on her forehead a name was written. Now listen to the name. Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. So when it's connecting Babylon to this woman, it also says that this woman is described like a harlot because she is seeking connections, she, she's committing fornication with the kings of the earth, which is a symbolic way of saying that she's entering into ties that she should never have been involved in. And this is interesting because when God's people in the past, in the in the Old Testament, were, um, meddling with the other nations and they were seeking for approval from the other nations and they were intermarrying with the other nations and they were uh, worshiping the gods of the other nations, oftentimes the prophets would refer to that as fornication. So this is is something that the Bible uses, this imagery. And here we have mystery Babylon the great, the mother of harlots, the mother of harlots. So there are other uh, women or other churches we could say that are under her control she is the mother church she's the mother church clothed in scarlet rich and adorned with all jewelry all this jewelry all this riches and she has connections with the kings of the earth I think the picture is starting to emerge for us which power this is pointing to Um, the world is influenced by her doctrine this, is, this must be the biggest church, the biggest church on this planet Earth. The church that has most influence, most followers. The one that has connections with, with stately powers. The one that, the one that is invited to, to address the U.S. Senate. The one that, is in, in, that has connections with ambassadors from other countries. The very one that is actually in itself a country. Are you with me? There is really no other power that matches all of these identification marks than the Church of Rome. Now, we have already discovered in the course of this Bible prophecy seminar that there's a principle in Bible prophecy. It's called repeat and enlargement. I hope you remember. A prophecy is given, and then another prophecy is given, and some is repeated from the first, but then more information is given. And then the next prophecy comes along, it repeats again some of what has been covered, and then more information is given. And so, when you study the books of Daniel and Revelation, you will encounter a variety of prophecies that are identifying this church structure. Daniel chapter 7 remember Daniel chapter 7 we looked at it at an early night We looked at what went wrong in the Christian religion and we looked at Daniel chapter 7 and led us right through the different Nations of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and then it came to the beginnings of the power the church of Rome the structure church structure of Rome The little horn power there in Daniel chapter 7. Well the little horn power in Daniel 7 matched with a power that we found in Revelation chapter 13 And in Revelation chapter 13, you have this beast power coming up out of the sea, remember? And we looked at the identification marks of that beast power in Revelation chapter 13. It was also a picture of the church of Rome, but more information was given. And now we're coming to the final revelation of this power in the book of Revelation chapter 17, so we have the little horn in Daniel 7 We have the beast power in Revelation chapter 13 and now we have the same power represented again in Revelation chapter 17 But more information is given every time that one prophecy is building on the previous prophecy well, what 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 is the wine that this, this, this Church of Rome is, 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 uh, is causing people to get drunk on in the world. What are the doctrines that are being spread by this superpower? Well, confession is not to be... When it comes to the confession of sins, the Church of Rome will tell you you need to go to the priest. And so confession doesn't go through Jesus Christ directly, but through a human being. This is a distortion of Scripture and a distortion of the character of God. We have saint worship, of course, that has no place in the scriptures, candles for the dead, holy water, which are really pagan rites that have come into the church, icons and statues, Sunday worship, purgatory, right, the invention of purgatory, uh, eternal hell, the immortality of the soul, and of course salvation through works, through ceremonies and works. And so all of these things are really identification marks of a power that has been fallen, that has fallen away. Babylon, the great, is fallen. Well, in Revelation chapter 14 and verse eight, the second angel's message says, and another angel followed them saying, Babylon is what, what does it say? Fallen is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. But you know what is so powerful about all of this? The Bible has a prophecy about Babylon right here in Revelation chapter 17. This this structure of Babylon, the the iniquity of Babylon and the teachings of Babylon that are now given through this church power in the last days. But then there's a a powerful call in the very next chapter, Revelation chapter 18, to come out of Babylon, to come away from the confusion of Babylon. Look at this, Revelation chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. It says, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory, and he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. And so in Revelation chapter 18, right after you have this, uh, this, this, this description of uh, Mystery Babylon, this woman riding upon a scarlet with the name Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, right after this in Revelation chapter 18, we have a call that is given to the entire world to come away from the teachings and influence of Babylon. And... Um, I I, I just love this verse because it gives us so much hope. There's an angel that comes down from heaven having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And for the earth to be illuminated with the glory, um, this is really a representation of God's character being on display in this world. The glory of God is synonymous with the character of God. And so the whole earth is going to be illuminated. The whole earth is going to light up, with the glory of god and this is really where the war of thrones intensifies because on one side of the war of thrones you have a superpower that is seeking to indoctrinate the nations that is seeking to uh cause the 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 world to become drunk on its doctrine and on the other side you have a power the power of god the kingdom of god that is illuminating the world and calling people out of this false system And uh, in Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, it says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. And here, God is saying that he has his people, he has his precious people that are still inside of Babylon. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, we're not here to to just write off uh, billions of people. Or millions of people No, what God is wanting to do is to call them out of a false structure a false church a church that has misrepresented the character of God and so the message that is given in Revelation chapter 18 is come out of her my people God has his people in Babylon amen God has his people in false uh, false religions and, 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 and in, 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 in a church that has misrepresented his character, and he's calling them out. He's calling them out. And how does he do that? Well, he calls them out when the book of Revelation is proclaimed. He calls them out when prophecy is proclaimed. He calls them out when the character of God is lifted up and people can see the contrast between the deceptions of the church and the traditions of man and God's commandments and God's purpose and plan. Amen? And so this is an incredibly encouraging passage. And this is a message that is to go into all the world. When God's glory illuminates the world, the message that goes along with the glory of God and the character of God and the picture of God and the gospel of God is also the message to come out, come out of this confusion. And you know what? The Bible tells us that this power, this Revelation 17 woman is the mother of harlots, In other words, she's not alone. There are other other, uh, women, or symbolically, other harlots or other churches that have bought in to her practices and that are basically a legacy of the teachings of Rome that have been passed down. And so if a church teaches the doctrines of Rome, then God is calling his people to come out, Amen. To come out of the confusion of of, 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 of of purgatory and and hell fire, which are a distortion of the character of God, God is saying, "Come out," and 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 the distortion of the character of God when it comes to the change of God's commandments, and where a human day is is placed in the very in the very uh, instead of the very commandments of God, and and confusion regarding the law of God, confusion regarding the traditions of man, and and all of these things that have come in. And created a world where where God's picture, God's glory, God's character has been distorted. But God has a message, and that is to come out. As a matter of fact, I love the passage in John chapter ten. In John chapter ten, uh, Jesus represents himself as the shepherd, and in John ten verse sixteen, he says this: "And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice." And there will be one flock and one shepherd. So, you know, how many denominations do we have in the world today? Well, I don't know. I haven't, I've lost count. (laughs) We have a lot of denominations today. We have a lot of religions today. We have a lot of Christian denominations today. And all claim to have the truth, right? But God says that in the end, and, and Jesus says in the end, I will be the shepherd and my sheep will hear my voice. And in the end, there will be how many flocks? Ten, hundred, thousand, one, Hundred? One. One flock, one shepherd, right? One flock, one shepherd. Christ is going to, he's going to um, speak his word, which he's doing right through, through, through the Bible, through the scriptures. And when we heed his voice, when we heed these prophecies, when we heed the call, we will come out and we, will come, become, we can become part of his flock and we can have Jesus Christ as our shepherd. You know there are not thousands of denominations or religions represented in in the book of Revelation we have two women we have two churches here in the end of time we have God's movement and we have a movement that is based on the teachings of man we have Revelation chapter 12 which is God's movement and we have Revelation chapter 17 which is the counterfeit false movement that is controlling other religions and other uh, denominations and so there's really, only, there's really only one choice, right? There's a choice to follow either the woman in white or the woman in scarlet in the book of Revelation. And so we want to be able to identify then, uh, what is the woman in, in, in scarlet? Well, we've already identified the woman in scarlet. It's the Church of Rome. And the Church of Rome is controlling, through her doctrines, many other churches that have just bought into her teachings. Whether it's purgatory, or the immortality of the soul, or Sunday sacredness, or hellfire, or saint worship, or whatever it is. Other denominations are buying into her teachings, and so she's controlling those denominations. She's controlling those churches. But then, according to the book of Revelation, there's another movement. And the other movement is described in Revelation chapter 12, so let's have a look at the movement described in Revelation chapter 12. Look at this, chapter 12, verse one. This is a fascinating prophecy. It says in Revelation chapter 12, verse one, now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. So the woman represented in Revelation chapter 12 is connected with, um, with, with, with the number 12. Uh, she has on her, hand, uh, on her head a garland or a crown of 12 stars. Now, when you think of the number 12 in scripture, it's interesting. Because the number 12 occurs both in the Old and the New Testament, significantly in the Old Testament, because how many tribes were there in the nation of Israel? Twelve. Now, in the New Testament, how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. And even though Judas fell, they they chose another one, right? And so they had the number 12. So in the Old Testament, 12 tribes of Israel. In the New Testament, 12 disciples of, of, of Jesus. So connected with the people of God is the number 12, right? And in Revelation chapter 12, we have a woman with... A crown on her head of 12 stars so this is a representation of god's people the pure bride of christ she's clothed with the sun it's like she is illuminating the world right isn't that powerful when you think about revelation chapter 18 the glory of god would illuminate the world and here the woman is illuminating the sun is shining so there's brightness coming from her the moon is under her feet she's standing on the moon clothed with the sun this is symbolic language here now take notice of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2, when Paul is writing to the church of, in, in Corinth, he says the following to, to the people there. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to who? Christ. To Christ. So when he's addressing the people of God, he's saying, you are like a bride and you are going to be married and connected with who? With Jesus Christ. He's the bridegroom. Okay, so there you have just the picture of how God's church is described in Scripture. God's true church is the bride of Christ. And Revelation chapter 12 shows us the true movement of God, the bride of Christ. Now, let's look at what else it says about this movement. Revelation chapter 12 verse 2 says, Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. So when John sees the woman in Revelation chapter 12, she is about to give birth to a child. Now, of course, this is all language that speaks volumes when you look at the whole plan of salvation. Because Revelation chapter 12 is basically a description of God's church going through the great controversy between good and evil. Because this child that was to be born is the very promised one that would come through the lineage of god's people through the lineage of israel through the lineage of the 12 tribes eventually jesus came right in genesis chapter 3 verse 15 you have the first promise of the messiah after the fall after they ate of that forbidden fruit in the garden of eden and god said in genesis 3 15 to the serpent the following words and i will put what's that word there Enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In this one verse, it's like the great controversy in a nutshell. And God says to the to the serpent, to the wicked one, to the enemy, to the devil, Satan, he says, You know what? I will put enmity. There's gonna be war between you and your seed, your people, Babylon, and the woman's seed god's people and from god's people is going to come one he capital h and he's going to do what he's going to bruise your head and you in the process of that are going to bruise his heel so just a medical question here we have some doctors here tonight but i think we can all figure out figure out this one what is worse a crushed head or a bruised heel i would say right when you bruise your head that's worse right In other words jesus was going to crush the head of the serpent he was going to overcome sin satan and the devil and 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 all of his wickedness but in the process of doing that he himself would suffer right and so so this is just in a nutshell this great controversy between good and evil but it's interesting that it begins there with the word enmity i will put enmity between you and the woman and guess what enmity is really a declaration of war we're talking here about the war of thrones, the war between good and evil. And guess what? When you decide to follow Jesus, you are actually declaring war on the enemy. You are declaring war on the enemy. It's a war of thrones. But Christ is with you and he is stronger than the enemy. Amen? You know, and this, is so, this, this becomes so practical in our lives because when we are dealing with addictions and when we are dealing with habits that we need to overcome, when we are dealing with sin in our life that we know we need to lay aside in order to come closer to Jesus, when we are dealing with these things, there is a war going on in our lives, right? There's a war. There's a spiritual battle that is taking place. The enemy says, oh, just do it one more time. Uh, but Christ is saying, no, declare enmity on that, Amen. Declare war on on that addictive uh, uh, habit. Declare war on that sinful practice. And turn to Jesus who can give you the victory. Because guess what? That seed that was promised is none other than Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 verse 16. Now to Abram and his seed where the promise is made. He does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. Christ was the promised seed that came from the woman eventually after after thousands and thousands of years, the promised Messiah arrived through the people of God, through the woman. Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, look at how it continues this prophecy. It says, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head so revelation chapter 12 begins with showing us that that pure woman the bride of christ the people of god she's with child in other words the picture of god's people and through god's people would come the promised messiah but then we are introduced here in revelation chapter 12 to the enemy that is seeking to destroy god's movement this is none other than the devil satan himself look at verse 4 it says his tail, and he's symbolized here by a dragon. And it says his tail um, drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And stars in the the book of Revelation is a symbol of angels. And in the battle between good and evil that erupted there in the beginning, the first war that took place in heaven, uh, of all the angels of God, a third of those angels sided with Satan, sided with Lucifer and the dragon. And they were on, and so two thirds with God, one third with the enemy. and they are drawn they're taken with him it's like the tail is is taking these stars with him these angels they're thrown to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born so now the enemy is ready and knows that this is the promised child that is coming here the messiah is coming and he's going to do all he can to destroy that child well are there any instances in scripture in the gospels where um, there were powers at work to destroy uh, jesus when he was a baby absolutely remember herod that sent his his army there to bethlehem to take the life of of all the children under two i mean this was inspired by by the dragon this was inspired by satan himself that sought to kill and take the life of the promised child and so this battle of the ages this battle uh, that, that that we can read about in scripture is here portrayed in the book of revelation now take notice of verse five it says she the woman The church the God's movement she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne so here is a picture of the ultimate king here is a picture of of Christ that would come into the world and her child was caught up to God in his throne he was born in a manger he was incarnated as one of us but eventually after his ministry and after his death and after his resurrection he was caught up to God he went back to his heavenly father as is described in this prophecy what happened after that well take notice of the next verse revelation 12 verse 6. this is just revelation 12 is just bringing us these these kind of it's just showing us these various pictures of church history it's showing us pictures of the plan of salvation and in verse 6 it says then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by god that they should feed her there 1260 days So, Revelation chapter 12 emerges on the scene. We see the woman clothed with the sun, 12 stars upon her head. This is God's movement. It's God's church. It's God's people throughout time, both in the Old and the New Testament. And then the woman is to give birth. The Messiah has arrived. And then the dragon is introduced and the dragon is seeking to take the life of the child. But the child is caught up to God. And after it's caught up to God, the woman has to flee. God's people have to flee. Where do they have to flee to? They have to flee to the wilderness. And God has prepared a place for them there. And then comes this time prophecy. This time prophecy that we have already been introduced to in the book of Daniel and other prophecies in the book of Revelation. It's the time prophecy of 1,000. 260 days. Does that that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell? I hope so. If you've been here on the other nights, you'll remember that this is a time prophecy that we've seen in both, it's both in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation in other parts. It's the time prophecy that deals with the persecution during the dark ages. As a matter of fact, those 1260 days that are mentioned in the prophecy here are actually 1260 years when you apply the day-year principle of Bible prophecy, that a prophetic day is a literal year. And that was the exact time period where the Church of Rome ruled during the Dark Ages because it had the military support of the kings. And so great persecution broke out upon the church between 538 BC and 1798 AD. But you know what is wonderful? That God had uh, his protective hand around his church and his people were literally often hidden in places where uh, that were less inhabited as a matter of fact i was able to visit some years back um, uh, italy and in north italy there's um a region there where a people group lived called the Waldenses, and it's a very interesting history when you look at the history of the Waldenses. They were actually often tradesmen that would travel through Europe, and they would seek to convey scriptural uh, teachings and, and, and Bible truth with people. But during those days, during the Dark Ages when the Church of Rome ruled, it wasn't allowed, you weren't the common person was not allowed to even possess the scriptures. And oftentimes the scriptures were were just in the possession of of the uh, of, of the. Um the the uh, the church leaders of rome or the the uh, cardinals of rome and so the common people had no access to the word of god and so what they would do they would go through europe and they would be tradesmen and they, so they would they would meet many different people and if they got the opportunity and they and they saw that there was a, a a person that was searching for more they would actually take out the scriptures oftentimes they would sue them into their clothing and hide them they would take them out and share scriptures with people but they were persecuted i mean the the atrocities that happened to the Waldensi people it's 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 massive they were the Church of Rome would send armies into the hills of the northern regions of Italy and they would literally uh, take these the the, the babies and children of the Waldenses and just slam them against the rocks and kill them they would push them over the precipice and 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 there would be a great 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 persecution that on various times broke out against these people but at the same time God had a hand of protecting them and seeking to, to for his truth not to be crushed out during these dark ages and so oftentimes god people would find refuge in these places and and the truth of god was be able to be passed on to the next generation as this is described here in the book of revelation as god taking his church into the wilderness during these 1260 years of persecution as we continue in the book of revelation and we come to verse 7 verse 7 is like taking a big step back and looking at how this great controversy broke out in the beginning And so we find the church described the the woman the bride of christ and we see what happened with with the messiah and then what happened to the church in the centuries that followed but then it takes a step back and it shows us why all of this is taking place this great controversy broke out first not on this earth but in heaven revelation chapter 12 verse 7 and 8 says and war broke out in heaven michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer this is bringing us back to that very first battle that battle between christ and the dragon and the dragon lucifer satan he loses the battle and he and he can no longer remain in the presence of god if he is a fallen angel And yet, though he is a fallen angel, the war has continued on this planet as mankind has chosen to align themselves with the enemy. And so God is seeking to draw the human race back to himself. And he has done this through sending Jesus Christ into this world. The enemy did not just need to be removed physically, but his arguments and lies also needed to be removed mentally. So when we talk about this battle, this war between thrones we're actually looking here at a war of ideas right there's a, a lie of, of of the devil the lies of satan but then there's the truth of god and so it's really they're colliding these, this this war of ideas and we need to see okay what is true and where will we uh, what, what will we align ourselves with who will we align ourselves with in this great battle in revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 it says so the great dragon was cast out That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. There's a phrase that repeats itself here three times in this text, and it's the phrase cast out. He was cast out. He was cast to the earth. He was cast out. Now, remember that phrase for a moment, because this is John, the disciple on the island of Patmos, that is writing this. And he's saying, I saw the dragon was cast out now if you go to the other book that he wrote which is the gospel book of John the fourth gospel you will find that he uses the same phrase and listen to what he says in John chapter 12 this is easy to remember Revelation 12 John 12 written by the same person written by John and in John chapter 12 when he describes the death of Jesus take notice of the words he uses he says in John 12 verse 31 to 33 now is the judgment of this world now the ruler of this world will be what what's the phrase Cast out. Now, who's the ruler of this world? It's devil and Satan. He seeks to rule this world, right? He thinks that this world is his. But, but here, John says, and this is basically quoting the words of Jesus, Jesus says, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And what, when, when will this happen? Well, let's read on and i jesus referring to himself and i if i am lifted up from the earth will draw all peoples to myself this he said signifying by what death he would die he's referring to the cross he's referring to the cross so Jesus is saying when I be lifted up when I am lifted up on that cross when I die on that cross when I utter those final words it is finished you know you know what is really finished death is finished sin is finished the devil is finished his arguments are finished the lies are are refuted the truth has been uplifted and the war has been won now the war is not over yet The war is not over yet. We're still in this world, and there's still a battle between good and evil, but my friends, the victory has been won. Can you say amen? Amen. The victory has been won on the cross. The arguments have been dismantled, and if we come with a truthful, seeking heart and a heart of humility, wanting to know the truth, then God will show from his scriptures the character of God in contrast to the character of the enemy. And when we see the character of god oh these words will come to pass that we will be lifted he will draw all people to himself he will draw them and and guess what when he draws people to himself he draws them out of the confusion of babylon amen when he draws them to himself he draws them out of the confusion of man-made religion into the very movement of god and so take notice of revelation chapter 12 verse 10. It says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, this is right after uh, the the devil has been cast out. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been what? Cast down. Oh, we need to remember that. We need to remember that when we go through uh, battles in our own life, you need to remember that the devil has already been cast down. Amen? That addiction that has a hold of you, that difficulty that you're going through, that trial that you're facing, that sin that seems to consume you, you need to say, you need to know that that the devil has been cast down. Amen? And you can declare war on those things, and in the power of Christ, he can give you victory to overcome. Amen? Victory is in Christ. You know, we are living now still in the kingdom of grace. God has introduced another kingdom the kingdom of heaven and that is the kingdom that we're now living in in anticipation of the final kingdom of glory when christ comes back he's going to establish the king of glory but till that time we're living now in the kingdom of grace and in that kingdom of grace we can say christ is our king christ is the authority and lord of our life there are many people in this world that want jesus as their savior but sadly there are few that want him as their lord And we need to say jesus you are both my savior and my lord you are my king amen you are my shepherd and when you call with your voice i want to come i want to become part of that flock that you are forming in the last days i want to become part of the movement i want to become part of the bride of christ i want to be that revelation 12 woman not the revelation 17 one amen We want to prepare ourselves to to enter into that marriage consummation with Jesus Christ himself. But in order to do so, we must meet the identification marks of the woman in Revelation 12. And not the identification marks of the woman in Revelation 17. If you are belonging to a religious group that is practicing the very, the very um, uh, the teachings of Rome, that is practicing and, and, and spreading the very wine of Babylon, then you need to come out. Amen? You need to come out and join yourself to a people that are seeking to uplift the commandments of God. Look at Revelation chapter 12 in the very last verse, verse 17. This is the last verse in Revelation chapter 12. And it says the following And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make what? To make war my friends the whole gospel story started with a declaration of enmity a declaration of war against the enemy in the end as we come to the very end of this controversy the war has only intensified the dragon is enraged with god's people he's enraged with the movement of god the woman of revelation chapter 12 and it says he went to make war with who with the rest of her offspring another word for the rest of her offspring is the remnant those that are left Oh, after all these centuries, after all these centuries of of persecution, and he inspired Herod to to, to take the life of those babies there in in, in Bethlehem. And later, he inspired um, the Church of Rome to take the life of, of so many thousands of people throughout the Dark Ages. And now, in the end of time, he is again doing his best to use the powers of this world to make war against those that are left, the remnant, those that in the end of time are part of this movement of god and how are they described how are they described those that that are part of this this uh, movement of god look at the last part of verse 17 it says who keep the commandments of god and have the testimony of jesus christ oh i pray that you will be in that group my friends That you will be part of those people described here that you keep the commandments of God not in your own power you can't keep the commandments of God in your own power but in the power of Christ you say God God, I want you to fill me with your spirit so I can walk in obedience to your commandments not just eight of them not just nine of them but all ten of them amen be part of God's movement in these last days and yes there is a war there's an enmity there's a war of thrones but in the midst of this war God has called his faithful ones to take a stand. You know this is the last verse i'm going to read here tonight revelation chapter 17 back to revelation chapter 17 where you have description of the the harlot woman mystery babylon that 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 great power that will rise in the last days that will have connection with the politicians of this world that will seek to distort the character of god that will make war on god's people and here it says in revelation chapter 17 verse 14 these those are the kings of the earth and uh, under the command and authority of the of this woman this mystery babylon these will make war with the land. Lamb, But listen to what it says and the lamb which is none other than Jesus Will overcome them for he is lord of lords and king of kings and listen to this and those who are with him In other words those that are with the lamb those that have sided with Jesus Listen to what it says those who are with him are what called? chosen and Faithful my friends. This is the appeal that I want to give you to you tonight. I believe from all my heart That you are called can you say amen Amen. i believe that every single one of us here tonight i don't think it's a coincidence that you're here i don't think it's coincidence that you chose to come to this bible prophecy seminar i believe that god is calling you amen I believe that God has called you and I believe that you are chosen you are called to become part of a chosen generation you are called to become part of a chosen movement that is described in Revelation chapter 12 that keeps the commandments of God has the testimony of Jesus Christ but the question is the question is will you be faithful amen will you be faithful to take heed to that call and say yes count me in yes count me in I'm going to come out of the confusion of Babylon and I'm gonna come into God's movement in these last days, amen? And as this battle rages on, I pray that we may be found faithful as we await the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for being with us this evening. I wanna thank you for your guidance as we've gone on this journey in the book of Revelation. And Lord, I wanna pray tonight that you will bring your love and your spirit into our lives so that we may take that step that is needed to become fully um, to, to fully step into the very church that you have set aside for these last days to proclaim a message of hope i pray that you'll give us strength and courage to be able to come become part of the movement that is described in revelation chapter 12 Help us, Lord, to be able to walk in obedience to you so that we may be able to spread your love and your goodness to all those around us. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance this evening, and we pray and ask for your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons,